It is Encounter with God time here on The Breakfast Show. We're moving on to Genesis chapter 4, looking at the story of Cain and Abel. But before we do, we have another question for our quiz. Lawson, what have you got for us? 400-pointer. Yep, for 400 points. <laughs> Sorry. Me and, me and Shell were in the, uh, in the studio just before having a, having a laugh. Yeah, having a, sharing a bit of a joke. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Okay, 400 points. What cousin of Barnabas, who temporarily deserted the ministry, caused a falling out between Barnabas and the Apostle Paul? Wow, this person went on to do great things in their life, even though they, 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 they caused, uh, Falling out between Barnabas and they, the Apostle Paul. They dissembled. Mm. Correct. That's what they did. They dissembled. Mm-hmm. If you don't know what that word means, you need to look it up. 0491064669 is the number to call if you know the answer. For 400 points, you can win a book from our selection of bargain books. But again, that question was real quick. Uh, what cousin of Barnabas who temporarily deserted the ministry caused the falling out between Barnabas and the Apostle Paul? 0491064669. Okay, moving on to text messages. Somebody wanted to text through in relationship to the what our biggest... Most attended sport, attended sporting event ever, uh-huh. being the F one, uh-huh. and what's that? I wonder how many people will show up when Satan personates Jesus Christ. <laughs> I think that would be a pretty big event. <laughs> well, dude, I wonder how many people will show up to heaven. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's uh, funny. I, like, yeah, I hope a lot, but to heaven that I- is intense. Yeah. Yes. Mm. Okay, the trial in Finland preaching uh, the standard family model wonders will never cease. This is good news, obviously, that uh, Pavey Rassanen has been found innocent. The New World Order is financing them with endless funding as their agenda is simply to destroy Christian morality. I'd say any kind of morality, but Christian morality, yes. Mm. As it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be when the Lord returns. We are certainly seeing this as a sign that Jesus is coming back soon. There's no question about that. You know, it is hard to imagine 10 years ago that our world would be where it is at right now. 10 mm. years ago, if you'd have said, you know, uh, you know, biological males are going to be competing in women's sport, we would have laughed I, you to scorn. I would never believe no it. No one would have ever have believed it. Mm. But one of the things that I think that we need to realize right now is that things that... When people come to you and say things that are really outlandish and say, you know, this could be or this will be the near future, don't just write it off Mm. because it could very well be. Mm -hmm. Our world is going completely insane and the Bible says that that's what our world would be like just before Jesus comes back, that evil would be called good. Mm. And now we're seeing evil being legislated as good. Mm. Anyway. Uh, Hillsong, in the sad state of events, the Lord has a curse in the Bible for those who make the arm of flesh their salvation. Don't mm. look to man. Look, in, look to Jesus, our only saviour. Divide and conquer is Satan's motto. Normally comes from leaders uh, praying for the flock that they may keep the faith and look up instead of down. This is such a lesson here, and this is a really important text message because we need to remember that there is no human being other than Jesus Christ that can get you to heaven. I can't get you to heaven Lawson can't get you to heaven. Producer Shell can't get you to heaven. Your pastor can't get you to heaven. Your priest can't get you to heaven. None of them can get you to heaven mm-hmm. because they haven't been there. Yeah, and and they themselves can't get themselves to heaven. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Only Jesus can get anyone to heaven. And mm-hmm. if we look to Jesus, we will never be let down. Whatever we look to other people, we are certainly going to be let down, and we're seeing this happening right now. Mm-hmm. 
uh, with Voice of the Martyrs sharing the gospel under persecution. That is probably why in the West and Australia, Christians are so lukewarm. Mm. Persecution will soon come to two Christians, two in the West and Australia. We will then know what type of Christians we are. I pray that we will be faithful to the end. Ukraine's war, as always, only the civilian population suffer. I'm sure before the Lord's return, we will know the truth about these terrible wars happening. This is a religious war, and the papacy in char- is in charge. Jesus, come soon. Mm. Interesting observation. It is always interesting to see the religious influences in warfare mm. and to see... And it certainly makes you stop and question when you see the different, you know, when you when you see two religions that have been in warfare with each other for a thousand years, taking opposite sides in a conflict like this, mm. you know. And when I talk about two religions that have been in warfare, I talk about two religions that have actively gone to armed conflict over and over and over and over again. Yeah. Hmm. Not a healthy situation at all. We need to get to our Bible study. Let's go to Genesis chapter one and Genesis chapter four and verse one. I was going to say Genesis chapter one. We're taking some steps back. I thought we'd left that in the past, but uh, Genesis four verse one is where we are heading. Genesis chapter four verse one. The Bible says, "Now Adam had sexual relations with his wife Eve." Not mincing words there. It says in many Bible translations, "knew his wife," but it says here, "Adam had sexual relations with his wife Eve, and she became pregnant." When she gave birth to Cain, she said, with the Lord's help, I have produced a man. Okay, now this is interesting, particularly the translation that you have right there of, you know, with the Lord's help, I have produced a man. Oh, yeah, okay. This yeah, yeah. A little, yeah, bit, I know, a little bit of a different translation. I know read, where you're going. I know where you're going with this. I'm, I'm, I'm read I know what you're talking about. Let me read it from the King James Version. Uh-huh. And I don't know that the King James Version is... Well, particularly clearer. Let me just bring it up right here. This is chapter 4 and verse 1. Come on. Send the page for me. Okay. Adam knew his wife, knew Eve his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain and said, I have given birth to a man from the Lord. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In the New King James, I have acquired a man from the Lord. Quite a man from the Lord. Okay. Have you got uh, a number of different translations on your phone there? Yeah, sure. Let's read the, let's say the NIV. It says, uh, with the help of the Lord, I have brought forth a man. Um, in the NASB, it says, I have gotten a man child with the help of the Lord. Give me the international standard version. Um is that like an IS? ISV? 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 I don't think I have the ISV. I have, ISV. Let me... I have the ESV. I'm on the ISV. I have gotten a man with the help of the Lord. That's the ESV. Yes. Um, let's see. ISV reads like this. I have given birth to a male child, the Lord. Mm-hmm. And, and this is really interesting because the word the Lord there is the word Yahweh. Y-H-W-H. It's a term for God. Mm -hmm. Now, let's think about this for a moment. What has Eve been promised in Chapter 3? Eve has been promised that she'd give birth and that it'd be painful. Yes. But I think that ultimately through her seed, right? Yes. There would be one coming that would save the world. Okay, so here you've got a brand new couple. Mm -hmm. They have... Never given birth to a child. Childbirth mm-hmm. is something that is, they've never seen, experienced, or otherwise. 
they have sinned, and God comes to this brand new couple and says to this brand new couple, through your descendants, Mm -hmm. through your seed, through your offspring, I will bring salvation. Yes. Now, the Genesis account is, yeah, it's kind of like a bare bones account. Mm -hmm. It doesn't say a whole lot. It's not in depth or anything like that. It is a simple, straightforward account, but the Genesis account is, you know, it's 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 kind of skeletal. Mm-hmm. There was clearly a lot more conversation that went on between God and Adam and Eve than what is actually recorded for us there. God gives us the bare bones of what we need mm-hmm. to understand. But even from that, the implication is that the Messiah is going to come through the descendant of Adam and Eve. Yeah, that's right. And they have a descendant. And how do they respond? I have given birth to a male child, the Lord. Mm. <gasps> this must be the Messiah. Hopefully this is the Messiah. You can see, you can see it by you by throwing the word the Lord in there, you can see the hope that is coming through mm. in Adam and Eve that they have just, you know, here is a descendant. Here is their seed mm-hmm. that will bruise the serpent's head. Mm-hmm. And so you've got Yahweh connected with the birth of Cain. Mm. You don't find that with the birth of Abel or Seth or any other of the children that are not recorded. You only find it in relationship to the birth of Cain. And so there's a number of things here that you only find that are unique in this story that are given to Cain and that are given to Cain alone. And uh, you can kind of see when this whole story messes up that maybe Adam and Eve realized that this could take longer than what they expected. Mm. Particularly when Abel comes along and they call him Abel, but we're going to talk about that in more detail in just a moment. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. Okay, so the word Cain means to acquire. Yes. And so when Adam and Eve have Cain, they have acquired a child. Yes, that's right. I was actually, I was reading through the other translations here. I've got um, the Hawaiian Pigeon Bible up, um, you know, just see what simplified English would kind of shed light on this, on this passage. And it says, uh, basically, the, 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 <laughs> the one in charge, uh, help me. That's how I come get this boy. So it's like, basically, it's like, yep, God help me. And I have acquired a child. Literally. Mm-hmm. That's a cr- interesting translation. <laughs> That's right. You've got the Hawaiian pigeon one, but you don't have the... I don't ISV. have the ISV. It won't, it won't give it to me. There you go. Unfortunate. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But anyway, getting back to what we're talking about, you've got this contrast between Cain, which is acquire. It means to acquire. I've acquired mm-hmm. a child of the Lord. Uh, I've acquired a child, the Lord even. Mm-hmm. There's a, you know, Cain and... Sorry, Adamant and Eve here are hoping. You can see hope in it Mm -hmm. that this is Jesus that has just been born. Mm. This is the Messiah that has just been born, and we're going to have this sorted out very soon, very quickly. Yeah, or because they could have just, like, remained celibate, right, and not given birth to the human race and died, and then sin would stop. But, you know, it's being communicated to them by God that that is not how they're going to solve this problem. It's that actually through their offspring, 
this this problem of sin will be solved. So, yes. Yeah, that they're, they're going for it. They're getting it done. That's absolutely. And when you look at it from the picture of the great controversy, what you've got is that Satan has taken, you know, he's claimed control of this world. Mm-hmm. He's claimed ownership of this world. He's like, yeah, this, you know, the, the planet is mine. Mm-hmm. And if you want to see what my government looks like, then look at this planet right here. If God had said to Adam and Eve, okay, that's it, you're done, and they just died, then the universe that he's looking on is still somewhat prone to deception. Mm hmm. Whereas when God comes along and says, okay, I'm going to bring my, I'm going to come as Messiah through your descendants. Mm. That's going to catch the attention of the universe and everybody's going to stop what they're doing and they're going to watch to see how this actually happens. Mm. This is going to cut short Satan's plan because now it's like, okay, we don't have to make a decision for or against God you know, because Satan is saying all these things and maybe he's right and God is saying all these things and maybe he's right. And Satan is very, very powerful and very, very deceptive. The Bible says you know, the dragon took a third of the stars of heaven, stars in the Bible, symbols of angels. Mm. That's what the Bible says, a star, you know, the seven stars that you saw in my right hand are the seven angels, the stars are symbol of angels. And so you've got a third of the angels of heaven that have been, you know, and that's why we have demons as well as Satan that mm-hmm. exist in the universe. And so we know that Satan is very powerful in putting forward his deceptions. There's a whole lot more universe out there that could be deceived. If Adam and Eve just died, then that opportunity still exists for them to be deceived, whereas by Adam and Eve continuing to live and continuing to live for a period of time, you know, and their descendants continuing to live for a period of time, then it's like, okay, if you're out there in the universe and you're a little bit undecided, it's like, well, okay, we don't have to make a decision. Let's just stop and see. Mm. Satan has his planet. Let's see if he can do a better job of running it than what God would do. Mm-hmm. And it becomes an object lesson for the universe. And that's the Bible. why the Bible says that we are spectators to men. We are a spectacle, sorry, to men and to angels and to Whoever else is out there. Mm-hmm. That's what Paul says in the book of Ephesians. And uh, they could probably, if they were viewing and observing the earth and looking at the effect of sin and what it's done, they could probably just view the process of childbirth and know immediately, like, wow, that is something that I don't want to go through. Painful childbirth, that is gnarly. not a good thing. <laughs> so, yeah, shout out to the women out there. <laughs> shout out my mum yes. <laughs> for giving that to me. Yes. But, uh, yeah, yeah, for, for sinless beings, they would look at that and they would say, okay, we, we get it. Um, we, we get why we don't want this. But, yeah, they've, they've had this kid, Cain, he's come. They've acquired him. He's acquired of the Lord. And uh, I guess their thought at this time is that Cain's going to solve all their problems. Yes, and how badly that goes and how disappointed they must be when that is not the case. That is not what happens. Mm-hmm. And so this great controversy here on this earth has begun. Mm-hmm. We've now become a spectacle to the universe. Mm-hmm. That means that anybody who wants the answers to their questions can have the answers to their questions without having to just rely on the word of Satan or mm. on the word of God because they can now compare the two regimes sure. one with another. So God's plan really is an absolutely perfect plan. Cain comes along. Adam and Eve, they don't get this. They're like, you know, it's like anybody when you're expecting something in the near future, you want it to come straight away. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, I need this right now. I want this right now. Right, give it to me right now. And it doesn't necessarily come Right now. Mm. 
And you kind of wonder at what point did they suddenly realize that, yeah, this is not the Messiah. Mm. We don't know, but we do know the nature of sin and we do know how pervasive sin is. And you do see it even in the youngest baby, that spirit of rebellion. Mm. And I, I guess, well, they definitely, you know, as we see the, uh, the events of Genesis chapter 4 transpire after those, they would have definitely known that yep. Cain is not the Messiah. Not the Messiah. <laughs> and, you know, I've got, I've got a little granddaughter at the moment. She's absolutely amazing. And I've got a grandson that's on the way. And I've also got another grandchild that we don't know what its sex is yet. That is on the way. Wow, powerful. Yeah, it is happening in the Southwell family. <laughs> but my little granddaughter, she's nine months old and she's absolutely amazing and she's the sweetest thing on the planet. And I'm not in the least bit biased. Actually, I'm just totally biased. Uh, but when I think about her, I think, well, you know, how could somebody, so, something so innocent and so sweet ever sin? But even in her youngest of ages, there are those occasions when you see the spirit of rebellion. Mm. And the spirit of selfishness. Mm. And you think, how can some something so young and so innocent be already infected by sin when all they are is just surrounded by so much love all the time? Mm. How can that even be possible? And yet you see it even in an infant. That little seed of rebellion and selfishness it just pops up from time to time and sometimes it's almost in a cute way and we have a bit of a laugh at it. Maybe we shouldn't. <laughs> mm. But it's there and it's infected every single one of us and you kind of wonder with Adam and Eve, at what point did they go, what? Wait a minute. What just happened there? Mm. There's something wrong with our baby. Our baby's broken. Mm. Our baby's defective. You know, that would be so heart-wrenching and so gutting for them to experience. It's something that I can't even... You know, we, we have that expectation that our baby is broken and our baby is defective because we know sin and we've seen sin and we've experienced sin. But for them, what would it actually be like? You know, what's it like the first time they see an animal? What's the time th- th- like the first time they see an animal or even a plant die? Mm. Because death is there and death is a reminder of sin and rebellion is there and rebellion is a reminder of sin and they would see that little seed of rebellion and suddenly realize, no, this is not the Messiah Mm. and they would recognize that it came from them. Mm. They passed it on. Yeah, serious stuff here. Okay, so we need to look at uh, Abel because Abel comes along. Well, what's interesting as as we move on to talk about Abel, the whole chapter here is about Cain. Yeah. Uh, in this chapter, Cain is the only one who speaks. Mm-hmm. Abel never says anything. There's no record of Abel ever saying anything in this chapter. He is the only one whose birth is described. Mm. You know, the Bible just simply says that she conceived again and bore again, mm-hmm. as far as Abel goes. It's all about Cain because there is this very high expectation on Cain. And not only a high expectation as being the Messiah because at some point, and I would think very early on, they would have realised, nope, not this time around. It could be a long time now before we get the Messiah because we don't know who the Messiah is going to be. So there's not just this high expectation, but 
you have the priesthood. The priesthood of the firstborn. Mm. It belongs to Cain to be the spiritual leader when Adam passes away. Mm. And so you've got these high expectations that are going to be so sadly dashed. Anyway. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Dawson, Dawson, Dawson. <laughs> what up? am I going to do with no one, you? No one heard anything, right? I don't think so. Yeah, well. <laughs> anyway, moving on with the show. We have a 500-point question for our quiz coming up. And Lawson, do you not have that question? No, no, I have the question. Okay. Do, you have the, do you have the prize? The then? question's right here. Everything is fine, guys. All right, for 500 points, Deborah the prophetess, the judge of Israel, and the judge of Israel was wife to who? Who was Deborah's husband? 0491-064-669 is the number to call. And our prize this morning for 500 points is the book Beware of Angels, Deceptions in the Last Day. Roger J. Morneau, we were just uh, mentioning earlier about how, you know, Satan has that deceptive power, um, that persuasive power, and there have definitely been many uh, angels who have joined his side. And this is a book by Roger Morneau, which is all on this topic of spiritualism. And, um, yeah, basically he used to be like a high-level Satanist, but, you know, found the Lord and has left that life behind. And uh, he has a lot of information to share about that. So 0491-064-669 is the number to call, and you can win that book, provided you know the answer to the quiz question, which is, who is Deborah, the prophetess and judge of Israel? Who is her husband? Okay, if you know the answer, give us a call right now, and you'll definitely get bragging rights on that one. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we did say that we would talk about we talked about Cain, which mm-hmm. means acquire. I've acquired a child of the Lord. Sure. Or I've or, or, or it can be translated, I've acquired a child of the Lord, mm-hmm. thinking that Cain was the Messiah. Nonetheless, like whichever way that you say this. Um, It's still like we still have that focus of, okay, this child has come from God and Abel hasn't. Like, Yeah, because the Bible says she conceived and bore again and called his name Abel. That's right. Uh, But, yeah, there's a stark contrast there. Whether you can say he is the Lord or whether it's from the Lord, ultimately they're expecting Cain to solve their problems, to solve sin. And they call him Abel, which comes from the word hebel, Mm. which means vapor or breath. Uh Uh-huh. Something elusive, empty, lacking substance. Wow. <laughs> you, got, you, got, you, got any called, you got any friends called Abel? <laughs> yeah, I, we've got one working in this office. Yeah, I'm just thinking, um, is, is he in this morning? Maybe, maybe we should <laughs> probably, call him into the studio. Probably and, and not. That's him, a tough know, gig. Why, why did your parents go with this particular name? Well, they were probably inspired by Faith the fact on. that Hebrews chapter 11 says that Abel's such a good guy. But also probably inspired by that. Yeah, but probably also, went there. Probably not the original meaning, which means nothing. Kind of nothing. Yeah, and it's kind of like you know when Cain comes along, I've acquired a child of the Lord. I've acquired a child of the Lord, whichever way you take it. There's a lot of substance right there. Uh huh. Then Abel comes along, and like yeah, there's this another kid. He's nothing. It's literally like if we named two children today, like one's name was like trophy or prize. And then the other child's name was Garbage. Like, that's so wild. That's so tough to, yeah. That's, oof. It's, it's rough. And so once again, it does illustrate the level of belief they had in Cain as their firstborn son that 
He was going to be something mm-hmm. special. He was going to do something amazing. Mm-hmm. And yet it turns out that Abel is the one who is special, that Abel is the one who does something significant. Wow. Yeah, they, I guess they just consider Abel to be like the collateral in yeah. this kind of situation that's going on. Like, oh, okay, we had another kid. He'll be he'll be saved too. Like, yes. he's a sinner like us, but, you know, he'll be saved because of what Cain did. You get more intentionality that comes along when Seth is born. Mm, that's right. Uh, because now it's like... What are we? What 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 what's going on here? What do we do here? But that's directly as a response to what happens in chapter four. Yes. Mm. Okay. Psalms chapter sixty-two and verse nine. Let's look at some some uses of the word Hebel or Abel in the Bible and see how this particular word is used. Psalms sixty-two and verse nine. Psalms sixty-two, as I find it here in the Bible, says Psalm in Psalm sixty-two and verse nine. Nine. Uh, the Bible says here, common people are as worthless as a puff of wind. And uh, that's I think that's pretty much it, right? That's, a puff of wind. <laughs> a puff common of people wind. are as worthless as an able. That is, that is, yeah, wow. It's pretty rough. Uh. Okay, Psalms 144 verse 4. We probably, should, we probably should go back and read that in a little bit more context than that because it sounds like God's just, you know, Dishing it out on common people. Oh, yeah. I think by common people, he's specifically like referring to people who do like disdain God and like, yes, yeah, th- absolutely. You know, he's he's not talking about like commoners or like you know low peasants. class peasants. Like he's talking, yeah. The and the Bible makes that distinction absolutely. Yeah, versus like common, uncommon, clean, unclean. It was like a thing. Yeah, it was something that was specifically against God. All right, uh, Psalm one hundred forty four. Which verse? Verse four. Verse 4, the Bible says, For they are like a breath of air. Their days are passing like a shadow. They're like a breath of air. They are like an able. They're like an able. A hebel. Mm. So it's an interesting name, this one, that the second child gets, Abel. Mm-hmm. In the book of Ecclesiastes, it's used repeatedly. And guess what it's translated in the book of Ecclesiastes? Uh, vanity? Vanity. Yeah. Because vanity is one of those things that is just air. Mm. It's like absolutely nothing. Mm-hmm. It is worthless. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it's one of those things, you know, when you look at this, you get this impression that Adam and Eve haven't really appreciated the value of Abel in the way that they've appreciated the value of Cain. Mm. We would we find that hard to understand looking back 6,000 years. Mm. Place yourself back there in their time. They've been booted out of the garden. They are seeing the effects of sin every single day. They are seeing death. They are surrounded by death. Plants are dying. Animals are dying. Animals are killing animals. Mm. Sacrifices are taking place. And there would be this absolute desperation, how do I get out of here? Mm. And you know that this promise has come. Through your seed is the way that you get out of here. It's a little bit like imagine if you're being thrown into jail, Mm. you know, and, and you've got this desperation every day. I'm living in these horrific circumstances. And ha- and I have a promise that I can get out of here. And it will be through my seed. You would be you would be hanging every hope you possibly could on the firstborn seed. Mm. And all your hopes would be right there. Okay, this is my way out. And you can sort of see Adam and Eve clinging to Cain as their way out mm. of this 
you know, they're living in a nightmare and they want to wake up from this nightmare and Cain is the way that they can wake up from the nightmare. They're thinking because it's through Eve, through the seed of the woman and Cain is the seed of the woman. This is, this is the solution right here. And so when Abel comes along, it's like, yep, okay, that's fine. We've, we've got another son. That's nice. But it's through Abel, it's through Cain. Mm. And it all goes so, so, so terribly wrong. And so it sort of makes us stop and think for a moment, you know, what are the things in life that are truly hebel, vapor, but that we treat as if they mattered much more than they do? Mm. You know, I could probably mention a whole bunch of things like social media. Mm. It truly is vapor. If you want to talk about something that is vapor and is nothing, that is breath, that is elusive, empty, and lacks substance, could there be anything more relevant than social media? Mm. Yeah. Oh, I think it it would just apply to any kind of fleeting joy, anything that isn't gonna last, you know. And there's things that are that are enjoyable, but ultimately like to sink our life into them more than we give our life and our time to God, then we are living a life that is vapor. We are living a life that is that is able, um, in the sense of not in His faithfulness, which we're we're going to cover in our next Bible study, but in in this just ah this emptiness, this nothingness. You're listening to the Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM, positively different. Let's have some answers for our quiz questions. For 100 points, the answer was crown. For 200 points, the answer was five. For 300 points, the answer was Balaam. For 400 points, the answer was John Mark. And for 500 points, the answer was Lapidoth. Lapidoth. I think that's a good pronunciation of that name. But right now, it is time for... Question of the Day. And our question of the day today comes in from Karen, and she asks, does the distressing spirit that Saul experiences in 1 Samuel chapter 19, verse 9, mean that God made Saul depressed? Yeah, this is an interesting story here, and you actually find it, you know, it's sort of the the context goes a little bit further than uh, chapter 19 and verse 9, because if you go back to 1 Samuel chapter 16, you find that, you know, there's this evil spirit from the Lord that oppresses Saul. And so in chapter 19 and verse 9, uh, what you've got is, and the evil spirit from the Lord was upon Saul as he sat in his house with his javelin in his hand, and David played with his hand, and David sought to smite David even to the wall with his javelin, but he slipped out of Saul's presence, and he smote the javelin into the wall, and David fled and escaped that night. And so basically what you've got is a situation where this evil spirit is oppressing Saul, and from time to time when it was oppressing him, they would invite David to come and play music with his harp. There's some interesting observations with that because the Bible says he played music with his hand on the harp. In other words, he wasn't singing, he was playing music. So this was, you know, your quiet, melodious background music. And the Bible talks about how the the evil spirit would depart when David played with his hand. That tells us something about the power of music and it tells us something about the spirit world right there. And that is this, very simply, when you play the right kind of music, it will drive demons away. Reverse that equation. Play the play the wrong kind of music, and what's going to happen? Attract. It's going to draw those demons in, and we need to be very aware of the world in which we live. 
But what does it mean when there, when the Bible says that there was a spirit from the Lord, an evil spirit from the Lord? How can you have an evil spirit from the Lord? Is God up in heaven looking down at Saul and saying, well, you know, I want to bring judgments on this guy. And so uh, Satan, I'm commissioning you to send one of your demons over there to give Saul a hard time. Is that what is taking place here? No, that is not what is taking place. This story is demonstrating the sovereignty of God. And if you want a better picture of what is taking place, you go to Job chapter 1 and verse 1. In Job chapter 1 and verse 1, Satan turns up in heaven and you know tries to pass himself off as being the representative of planet Earth. God's like, oh, where do you come from? He's like, oh, I'm from planet Earth. You know, I'm, I'm here to represent Earth. And he's like, oh, okay, you, you're the representative of Earth, really. So you represent everybody down there. You know, Do you represent Job? And Satan says, well, the only reason... Job serves you is not because he loves you or it's because he truly serves you. He only serves you because you give him stuff. And, uh, you know, he, he lays that down this challenge in front of the assembled multitudes of the universe. And at this particular point, God could have said, nah, Satan, forget it. You're not touching him. And basically it would look like Satan was right and that Job was just serving God because God was giving him stuff and God was too scared to take that stuff away because if God took that stuff away, Job would cease serving God and God would look like a fraud, like a sugar daddy who was just buying allegiance. And so God says, okay, Job, fine. Uh, You can touch everything that he has, just don't take his life. And, of course, that's exactly what Satan does. Uh, takes all of his possessions, all of his family, and even his health, but doesn't take his life. And thus we have the story of Job. What that story shows is the sovereignty of God. The other thing that it shows is that nothing that Satan does here on this earth takes place without God allowing it to take place. And when God allows something to take place, then the person who allows that to take place is the person ultimately who can take responsibility for it. So what? why does God allow this to take place? God allows this to take place because Saul has turned away from God. And when we turn away from God, then we are the ones who make a decision to push the Holy Spirit away. And when we push the Holy Spirit away, God allows Satan more access. And that's exactly what is taking place here. And then when David plays on his harp, Satan has a whole lot less access because it is an action that is inviting the Holy Spirit into the presence of Saul and Satan is being driven away. Right now, as always, remember to talk faith, to live faith, to act faith, and you will grow strong in Jesus Christ. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.